Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast God's Holy Word. I am your lovely host Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode 38, and I wanted to take a look at a really interesting verse. It is from 1 Corinthians. But first of all, let me give a big shout out to my listeners. So let me go to my list here cuz it's neat to see you guys here online. So let me pull that up here. Just one moment. So a big shout out to Virginia, Oklahoma, Texas, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, New Jersey, um the United States and the Russian Federation. Very interesting there. Okay. So the verse I'm going to be reading from, it's actually two verses. It's going to be from 1 Corinthians. And it's chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, and it's from the NASB version of the Bible. So here we go. It says, "If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I have nothing." So when I read this first, what it made me think of was what kind of doctrine are we allowing ourselves to listen to if we're going to a good or a bad church? And also, what are we saying in terms of what we believe in our faith? So, for example, my experience has been that I was raised in a cult. I left that cult and mistakenly went to a different one. That can happen because sometimes you don't realize you're in a cult and then you realize you don't realize till it's too late. That's just the bluntest way I can put it. But here's the thing. The I've said the worst of the two cults I was in was the one I was raised in. And you know it's like we would read the Bible, but then the leaders of this church would get up there, and not all of them were bad. I just want to say that up front. But it's like you know, a cult is a cult, you know. But here's the thing: they would get up there and just shame and blame everybody else except for themselves because we were raised that everybody's going to hell except for us, but especially Mormons and Catholics are going to hell. So. I just think it's very interesting that you know you need to be careful what doctrines you believe and also what you raise your children in because right here from God's holy word we see that yes you can have the tongues of men and of angels like you can speak eloquently you can speak God's holy word you know you can quote a really beautiful scripture but if you do not have love then it says right here you are a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal meaning you're you're not proclaiming God's gospel the way it is supposed to be preached or the way it's supposed to be taught and and you're not you're not loving people and if you don't love them the way you're supposed to then then it's not appropriate so the way that I was raised I was raised in a very hateful doctrine and a very hate-filled religion it was within Christianity they claimed to be Christian And I have no doubt that some of those people really are Christian and some of them are kind, but I just wonder, I don't understand how kind people can be in a cult. And what's interesting is that my sister and I are one of the few ones that actually escaped that cult, like we left it. And um you know, my, I'm not super close to my sister per se, but you know, what's interesting is that of all the young people that went to this church, my sister and I were the only ones to leave, at least that I'm aware of. and no one was questioning this doctrine that that they were teaching us because it wasn't making sense like it would literally make me cringe some of the things that were being said at this church 
And as a little kid, I knew I was not being trained correctly. I, you know, we were not focusing on the goodness of God. It was just wrath of God. You know, the church I went to, they primarily focused on the Old Testament and the wrath of God, and they really liked to curse people. And what I mean by that is, they may not be saying the Lord's name in vain. You know, they may not be saying I curse you or something like that. But they had the opinion that if something happened to you or if you got sick, you were cursed. And so if you were cursed, they didn't want to be around you, and they thought, and some of them still think this way, because I'm around some of these people even to this day, whether through family or through friends, and unfortunately that's just how it is sometimes. You know, all you can do when you leave a cult is to be kind and loving and pray for them. Above all, pray for them that they leave their cult and they realize, hey, I got fooled and I was behaving in a way I shouldn't have been. I mean, you just pray they think that way, right? That's why you need to pray for them. But here's the thing: whenever You have people that think that they are better than somebody else, and their religion gives them permission to be mean to other people. That is a cult, and that is a whole different level of hate. Because it's one thing to say I hate rice or I hate peanut butter cookies. It's a whole other ballpark. It's a whole different game to say I hate this group of people because they practice this faith and they're going to hell. The church I went to as a little girl and as a teenager, because I was forced to go there, I couldn't wait to get my driver's license and get out of there and go drive to a church that I wanted to go to. But here's the thing: they they really focused on predicting who would go to heaven and who would go to hell, and they thought that they were kind of semi in charge of that. Like they, it's so interesting. They did not believe in predestination per se, but they liked to condemn people's souls. Well. I was one of the few ones that would ask in my Sunday school classes, "Why are we condemning people when Jesus loves people?" I almost got kicked out of Sunday school classes because of this. Elders and deacons actually came and talked to me, and then they would go talk to、uh, my dad, and they're like, "Hey, she's saying these things, and this isn't the way we believe," and you know whatever else they said. And my dad hardly ever talked to me about it, but I could tell it bothered him. But I mean. It's just one of those things. I would think that, you know, if your child is is questioning things, that you would talk to them about that. And also, if your child is saying, "Hey, this isn't a very loving religion," I would hope that the adults, you know, the parents, would be like, "Hey, maybe we shouldn't be raising our children in this because it's it's not really flowing with God's holy word." But unfortunately, sometimes parents make mistakes. Sometimes they they want to believe wholeheartedly in something. Or maybe they agree with the doctrine. You know, it, that's just one of those things, and it's very unfortunate whenever it's the wrong doctrine. It's very unfortunate.、Um, but here's the thing: when we are practicing a faith that does not have love, we are practicing something that is outside of God's holy will, and anything outside of the goodness of God is not from God. So if we are practicing something that's not loving, that's not kind, that's not genuine, that's not holy. And that is not grounded or rooted in love. We are practicing something outside of holiness. We're practicing something that has no place in our life. It has no place on this earth, and it for sure never takes place in heaven. So I think that should make us question: Hey, is this something I should or should not be doing? What should I be reading? What should I be speaking? You know, how should I be treating these other people? You know, do I need to apologize, or do they need to apologize to me? Do I need to speak up about something? Do I need to keep quiet about something? You know, there's all these different things that go into being a person, right? 
Because it's not easy being an individual. And it for sure, at least here in the United States, it's not easy being a Christian here in the United States. But I will say this. It gets easier the more you look to Christ. The more you look to Jesus. The more you cling to him. The more you talk to him. The more you communicate with your Heavenly Father. The easier it gets because it doesn't mean that you're... that you won't have hardships and that burdens won't happen but your burdens will be way less like instead of lifting like a 500 pounds box you know when you believe in Jesus Christ and you give your life to him instead of that box that burden weighing 500 pounds yes you still have the burden but it is as light as a feather because your heavenly father loves you he's taking care of you and also he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you to save you from your sins to save you from the depths of hell and he's taking on your burden he's taking that burden on so we should not ever feel pressured we should not ever feel uneasy and i you know you know just from my life there have been so many instances where i have felt pressured i have felt uneasy and i've i've had to go to god with everything and i've learned to not go to people because You know, people are just people and I understand that. and sometimes people don't always have your best interest at heart. So it's in those situations that I always ask the father, you know, please send me a good mentor. Please send me really good friends. Please send me the people that you want me to be around. Because you know, I kind of feel like sometimes we get stuck in a rut in terms of where we live and the churches that we go to. And I'm not saying that you should move or that you should switch churches, but sometimes Sometimes we get stuck in who we are associating with and that's really unfortunate because it it leads to kind of just not ever looking outside of ourselves and outside of our circle of friends. Cuz one thing I've learned about friendships is that if you are never meeting new people, then you're not growing as a person. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a best friend and you shouldn't keep a best friend. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that it's very important to meet new people in your life because you never know who God is going to bring into your life to help you. That's one thing I learned. You know, I know from being raised in a small town and I hated being in a small town because whenever we would go play sports and compete against other cities or towns, it was like we were the hicks. I mean, that's just how people viewed us and it's because we were from a farming community even though it was no longer a farming community it was just known as being a farming community so therefore we got shamed and blamed for being um hicks farmers even though we didn't even farm my family we lived in town most people lived in town not out in the sticks and i didn't hardly know any farmers <laughs> so it's just kind of like You know, I don't look like a farmer, I don't talk like a farmer, but yet whenever we would go outside our bubble, you know, it was very common for us to be shamed and blamed for being from a certain area just because of of people's perception. And it's just one of those things that, you know, sometimes you learn things from other people that you want to know and things you don't want to know. And one thing I learned was that it's important to get away from other small towns because that's where some of the most cutthroat competition is. So hence I live in Oklahoma City now and I love it. It's great. I'm not surrounded by hicks and I'm not around people that are shaming and blaming which can to me that is very common in towns because it's like everybody knows everybody and everybody knows each other's business or at least they think they do. That just irritated me when I was younger. It still irritates me today but not as bad. 
But it was very frustrating when I was younger because I'm like, look, if you don't know me, don't act like you know me. And then these were people that were claiming to be Christian, so it's just very hypocritical. And so whenever people were pretending to be something that they're not, but yet claiming to be Christian, it's just kind of like, you know, as a young person, that was very confusing to me. And so I did not always have the most positive opinion of people from small towns. I did not always have a positive opinion of farmers. I did not always have a positive opinion of Christians per se. And it's just it's one of those things that it's easy to grow bitter if you don't recognize what is causing the problem. And so whenever there is a whenever there is an offense You need to realize that, that comes from the depths of hell. Even though it's it's from it's it's coming to you by a person, you know, like someone's being mean to you. Just know that that something is manipulating them and they are choosing to act that way as well. So I'm not saying that when people um are being mean to you that oh that's just the devil. I'm not saying that. Could there be some manipulation in the spirit world for sure? Yes, but I'm saying that You know, whenever there is an offense, just know that anything that is outside the goodness of God comes straight out of the depths of hell. That's why it says in the New Testament, we are supposed to pray for our enemies. We're supposed to pray for them because, you know, for the longest time I did not understand why Jesus said, "Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing." Can you imagine how hard that would be to say? when Jesus has just been tortured, mutilated, spit on, beaten, whipped, scourged, cursed at, um stripped naked and then um he was crucified. He's dying, slowly dying on a cross. And he's dying for humanity, he's dying for mankind. And look what they did to him. But yet he he had the the love and the ability to say father forgive them for they know not what they do that is such an amazing thing to say and the word amazing does not even begin to describe that phrase that Jesus said because it is so profound and so holy and so loving And I think if you want to have a clear understanding of just how important that is, if if you really want to feel it, first of all, read the gospels, but secondly, you need to watch the movie Ben-Hur with Charleston Heston. There's so many moving scenes in that movie, like just so moving spiritually, emotionally. I rewatched it recently and I cried. I cried. I had not seen that movie in so many years. And one of the most moving scenes is towards the end of the movie when Jesus is on the cross. There's an earthquake and his blood is streaming down onto the ground and it's basically representing that his blood is shed for the entire world for all mankind. For all of us. And it is such a beautiful moment. That's one of my favorite scenes from Ben Hur. The other one is when his mother and his sister are healed of leprosy. That is such a beautiful moment. Such a beautiful moment. So just know that this verse from 1 Corinthians is 
It's first of all, it's God's holy word. It's a it's a true representation because it is God's holy word. In fact, it's not just a representation, it is the truth, but I think it really does represent the scene in in Ben-Hur where if you don't have love, then you're just a noisy gong and you're a clinging symbol. And a good example of that would be Masala, which would be the childhood friend that Ben-Hur grew up with in this movie. And Masala worshiped like the god of Jupiter cuz he's a Roman, not a general, but like a Roman um He's blow a governor I think or something if I remember correctly. Um but you know, it's one of those things like Masala had love, but it was not in the Christian faith. It was not in the Judeo faith. And it was only love for himself and for the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire was very cruel to people. Not just Jews and Christians, but anybody that was outside the Roman Empire, they were cruel to people, horrifically cruel. And it's just it's just so interesting you you see these two guys, Masala and Ben-Hur, they grew up together. But yet you see how they grow into being men through their pain and their suffering and their joy as well. What's interesting is that Masala, he had he experienced a lot of joy in his life and his life ended horribly. Uh Judah Ben-Hur He had a lot of misery in his life, but his life, it doesn't show an ending, but his life became better not worse. So, to me that is the excellent representation of the Judeo-Christian faith where yes, sometimes we suffer, but we have the promise of the reward of salvation and of God's goodness towards us and his blessing and his favor because even though Judah Ben Hur went through a lot, He accomplished a lot. He stood up for what's right. And what's interesting is that at one point he was growing very bitter and very hateful and his uh, not his sister but the the lady that he's in love with Esther, she called him out on and said, "You're becoming like Masala." And that shocked and horrified Ben-Hur because he realized it was true. He realized that his bitterness and his hatred, yes, it, it had kept him alive through all the torture. but it was causing him to become bitter and hateful and he was changing as a man like changing even even in his countenance like even in his face you could see it you know, do watch ben hur because the, the makeup is really interesting in that movie like if you see the makeup of ben hur in the beginning of the movie he he's a he's a healthy happy guy and then when he comes back um from being tortured and from being enslaved and he is freed. Yes, he's healthy, but he has this harsh countenance to his face. Well, that's to represent the bitterness that is taking place in his heart. He wants revenge against Masala because of what he did to him and because of what Masala did to his sister and his mother. And probably a whole lot of other people, especially the Jews. So, it's one of those things that If we don't have love, it really doesn't matter if we're justified in what we're doing or not. If we don't have love, then we are not justified. We 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 do not have the right to do something if we do not have love in our heart. And I think this verse is a perfect example of that. And I'll read it again because it is so good. 
If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I have nothing. To me that's very powerful because it reminds me to let go of hate, to let go of bitterness, to let go of anything that is not from God. Because all God ever wants us to hold on to and to embrace is him and his goodness, his love, his mercy, his grace, his salvation, anything and everything that's from him, we should hold on to, which also includes health, wealth, prosperity, good days, love, kindness, mercy, grace. It includes all of that. Because you have to remember if we are believers in Christ Jesus, we also have the blessing of Abraham. Because we are the seed of Abraham. So don't throw that blessing away. And I mention this because it's very easy to hold on to anger and hate and just become a noisy gong or a clay a clanging cymbal and just complain or maybe be angry or maybe just preach the wrath of God all the time which is what I was raised in at some point I was like okay God you know who are you to be so horrible to me like I was angry at God for years because I was raised as something bad happened to you God hated you and he was trying to kill you that's what I was raised in what a horrible thing to raise a child in it was horrible I mean, we hated going to church. My sister and I, we were just like, "Oh, great, more hate speech." But that was before we even knew what hate speech was. Like, we didn't know what that phrase was. I did not hear the word hate speech until I was in college. I was like, "Oh, so this happens in churches too." <laughs> like, I was like, "Oh, okay, good to know." But here's the thing: if if you have a church that has hate speech, God will deal with them. Because if there's one thing God will not tolerate is hate within His house, because it is His house. It's not my house. It's not your house. It's not our house. It's God's house. And when we are in God's house, we do not have the right to be hateful. And also, we have no right to be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal in God's house or outside God's house. in this world because how are we supposed to let our light shine and be the light of Christ if we do not have love in our heart because whatever is in our heart will come out of our mouth so if someone is speaking hate just know that's what that is truly what is in their heart and they need a spiritual heart transplant if they've got issues like that and it is possible It is possible to get a spiritual heart transplant. So if you know someone that has a problem with hate, anger, rage, anything unholy, but specifically in regards to this verse, if they're just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal and they just love to shame and blame people, they need a heart transplant because everybody should be speaking the joy of the Lord. That doesn't mean being oblivious to the heartache of this world, not at all. because when you have the joy of the lord that means you are very much aware of what is going on but you're choosing to focus on the goodness of god and you pray about those issues that are bad because you know that with god all things are possible all things are possible with god 
And he is the one that can help anyone and everyone with their issues. There isn't anything that God can't handle. He is so wonderful and so true, so beautiful to us, so kind and loving. And here's the thing, for me to be saying this, let me say something here. If you had met me when I was a teenager, I don't think any of you would have wanted to get to know me. I really don't. If you had met me in my early or mid 20s, especially my early 20s, I don't think you would have wanted to be friends with me. I think you would have thought that is one hateful young woman. She is bitter. I mean, I hit it well, but I think if you dug below the surface, you would see that hey, she's bitter about something. But I will say this, over the years I have noticed there were some people that noticed that bitterness that was there, but they didn't give up on me. They wanted to help me. They knew that my soul was suffering in some type of agony. And they knew that God was the only one that could help me with that. So even though I was not the most pleasant individual, and mind you, I'm not saying I was hateful, not saying that at all because I had a lot of friends. I really did. I had way more friends back then than I do now, but the friends I had back then, they were not always good company. It's easy to have a whole bunch of friends if if you don't really care what kind of friends you have. See, there's a difference. It reminds me of Facebook where people have like over a thousand friends. I'm like, really, you can't tell me you really know all those people. You may love them, but you don't really know them. You can maybe know really well a handful of people in your life, and that's it. It's not possible to know over a thousand people and know them well. That's God's job. That's not our job. But I do know that it really matters what's in your heart. Because I know that my personal experience was I had a lot of bitterness, but I didn't realize that what was going on in my life and what was happening in my life was because of bitterness. I struggled a lot. It was horrible. And it was just a very tumultuous time. Like, you know, sometimes I see people in, you know, their teeny boppers or they're in their 20s and I see how happy they are. And Every once in a while I think, you know, I wish I could have been that happy when I was their age. But then there's the opposite side of me that says, you know, I wonder if they're really happy as they're making out to be. Because I had a whole lot of friends when I was their age too, but I was not completely happy. So, just because someone looks happy on the surface, that that doesn't mean that it's true happiness. which is why we need to focus on the word of God because that is where we're going to find our joy, our salvation and our new beginnings. And I pray that this truly blesses you because going through these verses, you know, not only is it an honor to do this podcast, but it also helps me big time because I get to look at things in a different way and I'll read these verses and I'll think, you know, I wonder if someone else needs to hear this and look at it from a different way and just just to hear from someone that just say hey you're not alone there are other believers out there that have suffered things as well and have gone through hardships but the important thing is that we don't give up and that we give everything to God and that we know for a fact for a fact that he loves us loves us so dearly more than anything on this earth he he loves us 
Earth was created for you and for me. It's one of the most beautiful gifts, one of the most beautiful presents that that we could ever be given. You know, we this whole planet belongs to you and to me. What what an amazing gift. And I just think, you know, how do we unwrap this gift? Well, one way that we unwrap this gift is go visit different places of this world. You know, take a vacation once a year. Go see the sights because it belongs to us. It belongs to the children of God. So you might as well get out there and see what God has given you. It's a wonderful thing. So for sure, check out this planet. It's really a neat place. It really is. I haven't visited everywhere. In fact, I probably haven't visited a fraction of it. But the places that I have visited so far, what wonderful memories. And I just think and I look back and I think, wow, God made all of this for us. It's such an amazing place. It is such an amazing place. So don't throw away the gifts that God has given you. Speak the goodness of God, believe in the goodness of God. Do not be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Be who God wants you to be. Because I've learned from personal experience when when I how do I how do I word this? When I choose to be who God wants me to be, I am way happier than when I choose to be what I want to be. And that may sound strange, but it's choosing to not go the way of the flesh. You're choosing to go the way of Jesus Christ, which is an honor to do that. And it's a joy to do that. Yes, there is some suffering because, you know, sometimes it's tough to fight the flesh. It really is. Like if someone cuts you off in traffic or maybe things don't go well at work, it's so tempting to get in the flesh and just, you know, not think very positive thoughts or get irritated or 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 you know, mouth off or say something you regret. You know, there's all these different situations that can happen, but when we focus on the goodness of God, everything else falls into place. Even when our lives are not perfect, guess what God is? God is perfect. Jesus is perfect. The Holy Spirit is perfect. So when we focus on those things, when we focus on our heavenly Father, everything else falls into place and what a joy that is because I know what it's like for things to to just I don't know how else to say it, just go to hell. They they just fall apart and it feels like the gates of hell are being very successful and I have to remind myself, no. Jesus conquered death and he told hell to get lost. I have to remind myself of that because you know there are tough situations that we go through as adults. But they don't have to be tough because you know what Jesus he can walk on water. And guess what? When we believe in him, we start to walk on water. That's why we need to keep our eye our eyes, excuse me, our eyes on the prize which is Jesus Christ. Because what's the point of drowning when you can walk on water? I mean, I mean, what's the point? I just think sometimes we we just drown in our sorrow and our misery, and I think that's why sometimes we become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal because we get so caught up in our misery that we don't focus on the love of Christ anymore. Because the love of Christ. You know, when we we're talking about love here, it's not just about physical love, you know, like procreation between a husband and a wife. It's not just talking about Valentine's Day. 
It's not talking about, hey, you know, I love chocolate chip cookies or I love spaghetti. It's talking about a deeper love, a much deeper and purer love that is connected to our Heavenly Father. It's a love that surpasses all understanding. That's the love that I'm talking about. It's the type of love that goes beyond, you know, the love of a close friend. Because it's the love of our Heavenly Father. And when we focus on that, everything else just falls into place. And it's such a beautiful and wonderful thing. But I will go ahead and end this podcast. So I pray that this message finds you well. And until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole. That you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.